everyone, and welcome back to the Retired College Athletes Podcast, a podcast designed to inspire and inform current and former athletes through stories and advice from retired college athletes. I'm your host, Sydney Mary, and today we're chatting with Jacqueline Shattuck of Jacqueline Plans. Jacqueline has a really interesting story. She only played basketball one year in college, and for various reasons that we'll explain in this podcast episode, but ultimately a lot of the things that went on in her life prior to college led to the reasons why she could only play for one year, and then also led her to do what she does today, which is finance. So this is a different episode than what we usually have because I have not interviewed somebody who only played for one season. Also, this episode is not necessarily solely focused on sports, but I thought her story was super unique and definitely one worth sharing. So I wanted to do so. So with that said, let's go ahead and jump into it. And I can't wait to talk to you guys on the other side. My story is, it's a little bit different. And honestly, it's kind of painful to share just because I went through a lot during that time, you know, becoming, you're becoming an adult, right? At 18, when you go to college. And so you're trying to figure out a whole lot of things, right? You're trying to figure out who you are, how you fit in the world, how you fit in your team, you know, do you still want to play this sport? Then you're evaluating, okay, I'm going to college now. It's a different level. What is it going to be like? And so in my situation, I went and I went to a Southern Poly my freshman year and I went and it was like it was a lot for me to handle considering where I was mentally. So what a lot of people don't know about my story is that I suffered from like pretty severe depression and abandonment issues, you know, all the way up to early adulthood. And it was something that I had to work through. And that didn't happen until after I stopped playing basketball. So I only played my freshman year because I had essentially a mental breakdown. You stopped playing after your first year because you were leaving to go be with family in the Midwest, partially because of your mental health. And so if you don't mind, like explaining kind of what you're going through and then how you've gone and healed parts of that. Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, I was going through, I have a very unique situation, right? Like most people don't grow up on a thousand acre ranch um, with most of your family, right? Uh. So (laughs) in a sense, like I grew up in isolation. So the closest Kmart at the time, um, it's still Kmart there actually, the closest Kmart was like 30 minutes away. So that's like the closest store you could get to. Walmart is like an hour away. That's, you know, next best thing. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in like a small isolated area. Right. And then I grew up with without a father figure. So these were things that, you know, as you really grow into the person that you're becoming, as you're trying to figure out the world, you know, as a teenager, I was going through like severe depression and like anxiety and abandonment issues. And I didn't really know how to like make friends. I didn't really know how to have relationships. You know, I had a a neglectful mother growing up, so I didn't really have parents. So it was like, okay, I felt like I had to figure everything out all at once. And I was figuring out a lot on my own. And so my aunt was like one of my saving grace kind of, (laughs) safe havens if you will at that point and so she was going through a divorce 
And I wanted to be there for her, you know, even at 17, 18 years old, I wanted to be there for her and the kids. And, you know, I'd made a commitment to play basketball for this first year. So I needed to follow through on that commitment before I could leave and go live with them. So it was a lot that was running through my mind at that point. And the best way for me to get over it was I said, I was like, well, I'm going to have to dig deep and do like some internal healing because nobody else can do it for you. You know, and at that point, there was nobody to do it for me. Like there was nobody to really lean on. Mind you, I can't afford a therapist. So I, I ended up getting some free counseling at school. And that was really, really helpful because it was like it gave me some of the techniques that I needed in order to figure out how to deal with this. That's just kind of the beginning of my story. Now, the reason why I decided to major in finance was because I um, it's a few things. Right. And I want to share this because for anybody listening, I want you to know that you have to believe in yourself first. Nobody can believe in you more than you believe in yourself. Okay. And so for me, I was in high school and I had this infatuation with being a dentist. Mind you, I'm like, what, four or five years old. So ever since that age, I wanted to be a dentist. So I was in high school and I was telling the counselor, yeah, like I want to be a dentist, but I'm also an athlete, mind you. But I had pretty good grades. So I'm decently smart. I'm an athlete. Um, and I tell, you know, the counselor, hey, I think I want to be a dentist or potentially an orthodontist because when I look at the numbers, orthodontists make more than dentists. So I might want to be an orthodontist. So you cannot tell big, <laughs> you cannot tell big dreams to small minded people. Let's talk about that. <laughs> so I told my big dream to my school counselor who, mind you, she makes what, 40 grand a year, 50 grand a year. Not looking down on it, but if you just look on paper, that's nowhere near what a dentist or an orthodontist makes. Right, right. So I told this small-minded person about my big dream and she said, you know what? You should be a dental hygienist because you don't have to go to school that long. You can still make pretty good money. It won't be as hard. But mind you, like I was talented as an athlete, right? So I had D1 offers and I listened to her and she was like, no, this is what you should do, right? So she took my big dream and she made it small because I didn't have any guidance at that time. So I said, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm going to go be a dental hygienist. That's not what I wanted to do at all. So I go to school. They don't even have a dental hygiene program, right? Because the way that I grew up, basketball was my outlet. So basketball is what got me to college. I knew that if I could get to college, I could create a better life for myself because, you know, I I came from essentially nothing, right? There was really no family to help me. There was no real funds. So I knew basketball was my outlet. So I was like, if I could just get to school, right? So I get to school and I wanted to make sure that I went to school in the Atlanta area because I felt like there was more opportunity here. I grew up in white rural areas. For those who have in white rural areas, what you see a lot of times is the typical um, black and white divide that we talk about in this nation financially. So growing up, I didn't see any black people that really owned anything. There wasn't really any black. First of all, there was almost no black people. There was like 50 black people, including me in my high school. So then you look around in the neighborhood and black people lived in the apartments or they rented homes. They didn't really own anything. They didn't own businesses. They didn't own houses. 
Like I didn't see that. So when I came to Atlanta for my first time and my friend was like, yeah, let's go visit my aunt. She lives, she's black. She lives in this neighborhood of other black people who own these homes. I was like, what? This is amazing. Like, I didn't know that this existed. Right. Like if you don't see it, you don't know. So I was like, wow, this is amazing. So I was like, well, I have to get to Atlanta. Like, like that's where my life is going to change. So I had to make sure that I went to school down here. So I go to school and um, they don't even offer dental hygiene, right? Like dental hygiene is typically offered at a junior college. So it's like a trade school. Like you go for two years, you get an associate's and then you get your dental hygiene certificate or license, whatever it's called. So they didn't even offer that. That wasn't even an option. So I majored in biology, (laughs) Like, what else was I, I going to do? Like, that was the closest thing. So it's like, well, I guess they could major in biology for like two years and then maybe switch and go do dental hygiene. Again, like I'm figuring everything out on my own. So I'm majoring in biology at this point, right? I major in biology. The year's over. I'm done with the team. I'm done with the school. I go live in Oklahoma for a year. Oklahoma was my transformation year. So that was one of the most painful years of my life. Because what it required me to do was it required me to sit down and spend time completely alone, figuring out what I wanted out of life, something that a lot of people never do in their entire lifetime. And when I did that, I also thought about money. And I thought about the fact that I grew up with no money. I grew up, there was one year that I had one pair of shoes, it was like two, two years of like, you know, grade school, I had one pair of shoes. And I'll never forget Jared Miller saying, why do you wear the same shoes with your dress that you wear when we play basketball, that you wear to recess, that you wear with your skirt? Like, why do you wear this one pair of shoes with everything? And I remember crying because I was like, he doesn't understand. Like, I only have one pair of shoes. Like, this isn't an option for me. Right. So going from that particular situation to my mom inherited $1.4 million and lost it all within four years. So to have gone from nothing to something to nothing again at 18, 19 years old, I was like, look, this isn't right. How can I fix this? So as I'm having these mental health conversations with my, with myself, mental, <laughs> mental health conversations, um, I'm also talking about the financial aspect of things because I realized how freeing money can be, how you are able to buy your time back, right? My mom inherited this money. Before that, she was working three pretty much minimum wage jobs. Now she has her time back and she didn't work at all. So I realized pretty quickly what it could do. She got her dream car. And it's more about this It's more about, um, you know, what that fulfills than her just riding around in luxury. Right. Right. So I also saw like what it did with her mental health, you know, where her mental health was when she didn't have any money to where it went when she had money to it slipping all the way back down to where it was before when she didn't have money. So I was like, okay, we cannot ignore the fact that money does something to us emotionally. It changes our conversations and where we sit. So, you know, that's when I started, it started to pique my interest that I was like, hmm, I don't know that I need to be in dental hygiene. I think I need to be in business. 
Right. right. So that's kind of the long way to answer your question of like, how did I get into finance? I realized that it was necessary, not only for your livelihood in a physical sense and the things that you own, things you have around you, but in a mental sense as well. Like it's hard to take care of your mental health if you don't have any money. Right. You told a counselor your dreams of becoming a dentist, orthodontist, and they were like, ah, maybe you should dream smaller. And I feel like at some points in our lives, maybe everyone kind of goes through this. It could be in different points, whether it's like choosing a major or deciding like, hey, I want to go to the school and play. And everyone's like, whatever, like, <laughs> good luck with that. Or like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to start a business or whatever. Like, if you're that kind of person, it's like, I want to be an entrepreneur. And you're, everyone's looking at you like, well, what, like, how are you going to do that? You know, and you're just kind of like working a typical job. What advice do you have to people who are dealing with something like that? Because I feel like that's kind of like a make or break moment where you kind of decide, no, I'm going to do it. Or you're like, okay, well, I guess they're right. So um, what advice would you say, would you give somebody who's like kind of grappling with the same thing? I would tell you that nobody knows what you're supposed to do with your life, but you. Mm-hmm. Nobody else can tell you what you're supposed to do with your life. Nobody else can tell you what your real potential is, what you're really destined for. Nobody can tell you that. Kind of looping a few things into one. You had mentioned how money changes things. And I know, I think the biggest conversation that I hear or like everyone kind of hears, it's like, it's, it's you're either on one side of the fence or, or the other. It's kind of like money does, doesn't have to change you. It's more of what you are. You become more of what you currently are, or it will change you. And to be honest, like there's a, there's a huge difference between like not having enough to survive and then like having enough to survive and not knowing how to budget <laughs> and then like actually having more than enough. So like, what were the emotional changes that happened when you went from not having money to having money and then kind of going back down? Yeah, there's a few. So I was a teenager when it happened. So I more so was watching my mother's emotions um, and less of having like my own emotional reactions, if that makes sense. Because if you think about it, when you're a child, uh, you know, if something happens and you see your parents cry, you know, that you're going to want to follow that same sentiment, right? You're going to wonder why they're crying and, oh, it must be a big deal. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of following that same thing of like, okay, wait, what's going on here? So for me, like the first point was confusion because I was like, wait, 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 what just happened? Like, I'm confused. Like, there is some certain things and it's everyone has their different traumas. Right. So for me, like my mom and I were able to go to the nail salon once she had her money, which that is a luxury, believe it or not. I feel like I feel like it's more of a more of a commodity it's a staple these but, days, but it's definitely a luxury. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a luxury. So that was something that we did when we had money. And, you know, I remember getting my first like designer matching bag and shoes. It was coach. It was like the the best thing ever. Right. So like, I never had this. Like I wore hand-me-downs from my older brother a lot of the time. Like it wasn't glamorous. So the emotions were, the first one was just confusion. I was like, I just, I don't understand. Can somebody help me? piece this together because I don't get it like I'm not sure what happened like I was like I don't think that your money is supposed to go so up and down so that was the first emotion that I felt was just confusion right so first it's confusion then it's anger then I'm angry I'm like no wait why didn't you do better with this I've never expressed this um, on any podcast or anywhere, but this, the second emotion is, is genuinely anger. I'm like, wait, I don't understand this. Like what, 
of like what happened. I'm I'm mad at you that you were not a better steward of this. All right. And I don't fully blame my mother for this situation. She actually got poor financial advice. That financial advisor did not serve her properly. And that's why I'm a financial advisor these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so my second emotion was anger. And then my third emotion was persistence or tenacity or just a desire to do better. Because I realized sitting around being confused and being angry was not going to get me anywhere. So my third emotion was, well, what are you going to do about it? (laughs) If that's an emotion. Yeah. And then, so you, you are now a financial advisor and I think like, I don't know, not everyone has the same backgrounds coming into finance. Like everyone's motivations are different. I think money motivates people in ways that other things don't, but your story is very unique in the sense of like, you've been through a lot with money and like even without money. And so you bring that perspective into what you do. Um, knowing what you know, though, and what you've been through, what advice would you give to honestly anybody, but because this is for retired college athletes, if there's anything specific for them, feel free to throw that in. But like, what advice would you give to people who are out of college, kind of coming out of college and you're, you're, you're making money for the first time. Like, you know, this is the first time you're seeing money come in. It's not per diem anymore. It's like an actual check what what advice would you give them so my first piece of advice is actually a little unconventional but it's to know your worth first you got to know your worth and to know your worth you have to know yourself and you have to know your capabilities and you have to spend time by yourself in order to know yourself that's the only way to do that Mm -hmm. so my first piece of advice is just to learn yourself so that you can know your worth Okay, because once you know your worth, then you know what you should be getting paid or what position you should be taking or if you need to start a side hustle or if you need to start a business. Right. Because then you're going to know your value. So you need to do that first. I get a lot of more people that come to me who are unqualified to be financial advising clients. Right. They come to me with questions of like, well, what do I do if X? I don't make X and I can't do Y. And I'm like. Your problem is you don't make enough money. That's the problem. You need to figure out how to make more money, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to know your worth. And then you have to, it's so simple. You just don't spend more than you make. You've got to keep that spending in check. Yeah. That's the second piece. But the third is to make sure that you're investing. We're familiar with the wealth gap, but even the wealth gap aside, as Americans, we need to do a better job investing our money. You know, 89% of the stock market is owned by the top 11% of investors. So we just got to make sure that we're, you know, not falling victim to, um, you know, the middle class is has been shrinking. It will continue to shrink. So we want to make sure that we're on top and not on the bottom. So the only way that you can do that is to invest your money. The only way to invest your money is to know what your budget is, what you have coming in and out every month. Not because we are crazy budget Nazis, but because it's important to have a financial discipline and to know how much money that you can invest every month. So know your value, know your numbers and know how to invest. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing is like when you talk to financial advisors that know what they're talking about, everyone is saying the same thing. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I've heard this before. It's like, are you implementing it though? Like, are you actually doing it? I think the budget piece is super important for like recently retired college athletes because you may be paying off debt. Um, I know not every athlete is on full scholarship. 
you may be supporting family members. Not every athlete is coming from privilege. So it's one of those things where like knowing your numbers matters. Um, Knowing that is super, super important. Like you said, investing. If you go on Jacqueline's page, guys, which will of course be in the description box below of this podcast, she talks about investing all the time. And truly, it's uh, your typical exponential math problem, basically. Like over time, it's the only place where you can kind of put your money, maybe outside of real estate, and it's going to go up most likely. And so, I mean, at least that's what the trends have shown. Um, and so, like mastering your money is super important. I think oftentimes the narrative is that like professional athletes blow money, but it's just like they blow more money than we that we can see, like visibly see. I think oftentimes the average person is blowing a lot of money that they don't know about. Yeah. yeah, we see that trend all of the time. So speaking to the investing piece, at least in the stock market, you have an 80 to 90 percent win ratio over 20 to 30 years. Right. So it's a long term thing. And I think people get confused on in- investing versus trading. OK, they're two very different things. And when you're investing, you're investing for long term profits. When you're trading, you're investing for a shorter period of time, hoping to get rich quick. Like that's the difference, like just to put it in a nutshell. So it's important to know what you're trying to do and you can do both. But I want to make sure that your investing is tightened up because that's what you need basically at the end of the day. Right. In 20, 30 years from now. I want to ask you about your platform to kind of wrap up. So if people love what they're hearing, which I'm sure they will, and they want to either work with you or just, I know you have courses that you have like are selling that people can tap into. Where can they get in touch with you, get in contact with you? Like, where are you? Let us know. My main platform is Instagram. So you can find me at Jacqueline Plans. And then I also run the Million and Millionaires Club. So part of my mission is to help create more millionaires so that people can have more financial stability. So the goal there is we're a community group of just a bunch of people who are aspiring millionaires. And so we're just leading the way. We're helping to close the wealth gap and um, just helping people to create generational wealth for their families. So you can also tap in with me there. But yeah, I do have courses, guides, all kinds of things. Yeah, we'll make sure that's in the description box. So everyone go check it out. Money is super important. And I think that you guys should all tap into her her stuff. It's all good stuff. I want to thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Sydney. All right, guys, that's all I have for today. I really enjoyed chatting with Jacqueline. I think she has a really interesting story. One that I think is really important to share just because not everyone comes from the same situation as you. Uh, For me, her situation does not resemble mine at all. And yet she has such an interesting story to share and one that I think that should be shared and highlighted. I think it's really important to understand that while college athletics seems to be, you know, a big part of everyone's life, especially the people who listen to this podcast, there's life that happens outside of college athletics that affects us, that affects how you play in college, if you play in college, and what goes on after college. And so I really enjoyed highlighting her story here. With that said, let's go ahead and hop into housekeeping. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing it. I hear now that you can leave reviews on Spotify, so please feel free to do so if you listen on that platform. Also, if you'd like to get more involved in the RC community, please feel free to follow us on Instagram and on YouTube. Those are the other two platforms that we're really active on. And if you'd like to give us a recurring gift or just a gift in general that is monetary, please feel free to do that on Patreon. That's always linked in the description box below. 
With that said, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day and I cannot wait to talk to you guys on Thursday for our solo cast.